You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. So these days, people wear baseball caps with right. stuff printed on the front. Yeah, my cap has the name of my favorite team on it. Yeah, it says something about you, what you're enthusiastic about, or what you do. Yeah, and everyone sees it. Well, today we're going to look at the cap of the high priest, and he has something written on the front of his. Yeah, what does it say about him? We'll find out today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, you found us here at the program called More Than Ink. Hey, I'm Jim. we're here, and yeah. I'm Dorothy. Yeah, and we are glad you're with us. We are continuing our look through uh, the book of Exodus, and specifically at the, uh, well, we started with the tabernacle, but now we're looking at the high priest in his garb. We started that last week, and uh, and, and we look at it because it's, it's instructional in a lot of ways. Uh, like, for instance, if a policeman came to your front door, uh, you know, you'd open the front door, and without having to say a word, you know their authority and what they're all about. You'd see the badge. You'd realize. I mean, you you would deal with them in a different way because their clothing says everything. Well, that the clothing of the high priest says a lot to us. So we started that last week, looking at the first two of the six items that the high priest wears that are specifically designed by God as an immediate teaching visual. Uh, and we looked at the we looked at that wonderful thing about the names being inscribed on the stones. Remember that that's on his chest and on his shoulders and the names of the tribes of Israel, and all that kind of stuff. That's actually the most prominent. So what we're doing from God's description of the high priest garb is we're working kind of from the outside in, in terms of what, what you would normally see on the outside first. You would see these shoulder onyx pieces with the names. You'd see the breastplate that would have the 12 stones, all that kind of stuff. So we're working our way in. So we're continuing to go inside, underneath even the ephod and the breast piece. Wow, thanks for all that. That was, so my, I, that was my recap. I was just waiting for you to come up for air. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess the one thing that I want to remember before we get, get started here is that where we left off was kind of the summation statement about the breast piece in the ephod, mm. that the breast piece, the summation, is in uh, chapter 28, verse 12. It says, so he carries the names on his shoulders yes. as a remembrance before the Lord. And then on the ephod, the final statement is in the verses 29 and 30 of chapter 28 he carries their names over his heart over his heart in, yeah in the ephod of judgment uh-huh. right the breast uh-huh. piece of judgment and that set me thinking about where jesus says in john 5 uh, if you believe in me you've passed out of judgment and into life mm-hmm. so everything mm-hmm. about what this high priest is wearing indicates that he is a representative of the people whose names he bears yeah and he actually carries those names carries into the them. presence of god literally yeah. and that's a beautiful picture it's a great picture and it's it's a super important picture here because the the high priest is the only human being alive that can go from the most outside place where human beings live to the very inside place of the presence of god 
And of course, we always make these connections to the fact that Jesus is our high priest. He's the only one who is both man and God, goes from where man lives and goes in the presence of God. So this high priest is prefiguring everything about who the real Mm -hmm. high priest is, who is Jesus. So we take gigantic clues from what we see in his clothing, and that's deliberate. It's a teaching opportunity. So today, as we come into looking at the rest of his garb, maybe we can glean some other things, like the fact that their names were written on his heart and he bore them on his shoulders. That's just that's just great symbols. That's great, great. Not just symbols. They're well, pointers to great truth. We learn yeah. well by visuals, right. right? If anybody who's teaching children, you use lots of visual aids. Well, you know, adult likes adults like visual aids exactly, too. It yeah. helps us. A picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. And this garb wasn't just worn inside the tabernacles. We'll see today. It's put on in the full view of everybody. So it's. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, let's so read. We're in chapter 28 of Exodus, and we're picking it up at verse 31. So you want to read for yeah, us right let's there? let's just read about so the robe. Let's talk the robe. So you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue, and it shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it, with a woven binding all around the opening, like the opening in a garment, so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem, with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out, so that he does not die. So that he does not die. Let's stop. Yeah, okay, there we need to ask some questions minute. here. <laughs> Just a couple minutes about this robe. <laughs> yeah, because this is what you do when you read passages like this and you say, wait a second, uh, I have a lot of questions. Teacher, raise your hand. I've got questions. So, you know, one of my silliest first questions about this was I've never seen a pomegranate that wasn't red. Well, uh, well, we're told that it has all these beautiful colors. It doesn't I tell know. us what color they were. Pomegranates of blue and oh, purple. Uh oh. Yeah, well, there it is. Yeah, that uh, that's just my little trivial point. Okay, I don't know what that's all about. No, 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 no. I'm just saying a whole bunch of questions come up as I look at this. But why, why, why put the pomegranates, the alternating pomegranates and bells around the edge of his robe? What what is that trying to tell us? What's that? What's the picture of that supposed to tell us? Isn't that interesting? That you know, if you think about it, when you're moving and wearing bells, you can't be quiet. Right. Right. So there's right. evidence that you're moving around. And if you think about where Aaron was going, he was going inside the mm-hmm. Holy of Holies, wearing mm-hmm. these garments, carrying the blood. Where no of one the could atonement. see him. And he was going out of sight. Right. They couldn't right. see him, but they could hear him moving in there. And so they had this auditory evidence that he yes. was doing what he was ordained to do he was busy on their behalf and they couldn't see it but they could hear it so they'd know that he wasn't dead in there that god hadn't killed him yeah right right. (laughs) now well yeah it's possible to interpret that another way that for some reason the sound of the bells is important so that he wouldn't die but like you mean like remind him what he's supposed to be doing i don't know know. but the but the the easiest way to understand this is that it gave it an auditory indicator that he was actually doing the work in there even though they couldn't see it yeah, and the very pragmatic thing, as people interpret this, is that you know if he does something wrong, the high priest does something wrong in the very presence of God. Right. God could strike him dead, and so if the bells stop making sounds, you could pull him out because traditionally he'd have a, a rope around his foot, so you could okay. haul him out. Which had happened before. People who had yes. approached God irreverently yes. had died, and it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that was the proactive thing. But I think in terms of the picture for for me, if we remember that Jesus is our high priest, 
I may not be able to see what mm-hmm. he's doing on my behalf his term, in terms of uh, interceding for me in the presence of God. I may not be able to see it, but I can, I can, get, I can hear it in a way. I get inklings of the fact that, that Jesus is active on my behalf, even though I can't see him. So that, that tells me something that's kind of cool about the fact that the high priest, our great high priest, Jesus himself, is constantly busy on our behalf. We may not be able to see him, but in a sense, we can hear what he's doing. I think that's a great mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. I think that's I, a great picture. I don't know that we need to spend any more time on that, no. except I was struck by the repetition of the color blue. Yes, right? We're a lot told of blue. a number a of, of things are very specifically made to be blue. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really dig into that, but at first impression, it's it there's everything about the high priest's garment speaks of heaven where God is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so blue, yeah. it's possible that that's just an indicator yeah. of the the constant faithfulness of the blue sky. We look up and we go, oh, yeah. With there's a blue sky. There yeah. is a heaven. And traditionally that's the direction of heaven. Right. Yeah. Right. And and it's clear too based on just the coloration of what he's wearing that he's he's someone who's meant to be in the tabernacle because he looks like the colors inside the tabernacle. Right. So right. that's you know, that's a reminder. He's he has another job and it's in the presence of God. Well, let's move on to verse thirty six. What do you say? No, I love this part. Yeah. You want to read for us? Sure. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave Ooh. on it like the engraving of a signet. Again, the very fine writing. Nice writing. Holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue, and -hmm. it shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall be regularly on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Yeah. This is a great picture. So picture this in your mind. He's got some kind of head wrapping on. We say turban here, but some kind of head wrapping. And on the front of this head wrapping is a gold a gold plate that says, in fine writing, holy to the Lord. And in other places, it's actually described as a crown. Yeah. Even in the next chapter, they're right. going to call it a crown. Right, right. So it probably was a circlet. Yeah. To which the turban was attached. Yeah, but and it's but it's clearly positioned over his forehead. It says right here. So as you look, I mean, we're we're viewers of this as long as as well as the Israelites. You look at him and say, what does this mean that on so prominent on the front of his head is written mm-hmm. holy to the Lord? And you miss the you miss what it's saying if you forget what holy means. Holy doesn't mean sinless and right. perfect. Holy means set apart for a purpose, separated. So in a sense, you could you could look at this kind of sign on his head and say this man has a life that's separated to god and a holy purpose he's he's got a mark on his forehead now if you have a mark on your forehead you can't hide that right right right, right, right. that is the most prominent place of your face yeah and and actually there's a really interesting verse in the beginning of ezekiel where he says israel has a hardened forehead and a stubborn heart yeah right right and we still use the term hard-headed hard-headed yeah right if you have so the markets on your forehead indicates something about your character yeah exactly Exactly. So this man, this man we're looking at right here has a set apart purpose by God's design for God. It's whole it's not just holy, it's holy to the Lord, set apart to the Lord. To and we Lord. and we, you know, we we emphasize this last time about the fact that when he's talking about the high priest, he says, This is my high priest. This is my high priest. This isn't the people's high priest. Right. This is right. my high priest. And so here he is set apart for God to do this important work. Yeah. Well, and the fact that he's he's marked this way by this very visible shining essentially a crown. Yeah. Uh, means he is holy as the representative of the people he's whose names he's bearing and yeah. everything he does 
is holy for this set purpose apart for this purpose for this to purpose. god yep exactly yeah unmistakable uh, yeah <laughs> unmistakable that, that by his holiness he bears any guilt from the things that the people have brought as an offering right so something right. about their offerings being presented by the holy one designated for god's purpose yes sanctifies it all yeah and so put the picture together. You have him with the, the breast piece. It's got the 12 stones, the 12 names on his over his heart. Mm-hmm. You've got their names inscribed on those two onyx pieces on the shoulders. And then you see him carrying, literally carrying, literally carrying. the yeah. names of God's people. Uh, and, then, and then on his forehead it says, and his job, he is set apart for the purpose of serving God on behalf of the nation of Israel. And I very love visual. the way this winds up. It says at the very end of this little part, uh, he shall regularly, it shall barely be on his forehead that they, the people, may, mm-hmm. be, accepted may be accepted before the Lord. This is his job. Right. <laughs> he is the He's the preeminent intercessor to connect the people with God that they might be accepted before the Lord. And, and, and we know... God's desire to accept his people. He wants he wants them to be near to him, and yet we know there's this separation because of sin, and so the high priest will be involved with a ton of issues to mediate the issue of the people's sins because God wants them to be accepted before Him. It's Fascinating. such a beautiful, beautiful picture. This idea of of being accepted by God—that's a concrete yeah, reaction yeah. of favor and pleasure. I want I want to read you a couple of verses from Leviticus that that have come to mean a lot to me over the mm-hmm, last few mm-hmm. years. Leviticus 26:11 and 12. God says, "Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject you. I yeah. will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people." Yep. That's Leviticus 26:11. By the a lot way, of people that, think reading Leviticus is boring. It is not. Yeah, that boring. last phrase you read is actually one of the most famous phrases right. repeated through the entire Old over Testament. And over and over again. If you'll be my people, I'll be your God. Yeah. Okay, there's another wonderful one in Leviticus 22, verse 32. Actually, it starts in verse 31. God says, "Now you shall keep my commandments and do them. I'm the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord." who sanctifies you. God sanctifies us. So God says, now I am holy. There it is. I'm holy and I will sanctify you. You will also be holy. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't know what that word sanctify is the process of being being holy, of becoming holy, of of having the sin removed, having that not be a problem. And that's the process word, sanctification. Doesn't everybody want to be accepted? Right, Right. Right. To be accepted is a huge motivating Factor. But what if due, our, due to our own failings, a.k.a. sin, right. how do we get out from under that? God says, I've got this. I do this. I sanctify. I've, so that, I've given you a priest. Right. So that you will be accepted before the Lord. It's it's a great picture. I mean, it's it's great. It's, God's the one who does this. So, well, let's move on. Hmm. Let's get to the coat. I'll read this okay. very, very long section right here. Verse 39. You shall weave the coat in checker work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. There we go. Not much description right there. Why is that? Well, except that, well, this is this is the clothing that he wears over which the coat right. and the other stuff So that's goes. what so I mean. This we're, is just his regular. We're going from the outer to the inner, so we've gone one layer in. Right. And these are pretty common kinds of things but these were on the original you know list of six back in right, verse four right. in the chapter here but it's uh, the fine linen 
is yeah. emphasized. Right. This is not junk clothing right. right here. And in fact, I looked I looked in, uh, I wanted to find out more about the turban. Um, the Talmud, which is just a collection of commentaries from the rabbis, said that the uh, the turban, now this is their this is their own creation. It had to be at least eight yards of material. I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of material to stick on your head. But there's no other information about these things. This is just the common clothing. So in fact, because how the uh, priest looked is supposed to teach you something, there's not much specification here because you can't see much of this, really. Right, it's all covered by yeah. the other stuff. So what we really needed to see was the stuff we've already talked about. These are the these are the undergarbs for that. And speaking of undergarbs, let's go on to verse 40. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Aaron's sons, you shall make coats and sashes and caps, and you shall make them for glory and beauty, and you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. And I hear, I love this part, and shall or anoint them, and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near to the altar to minister to the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. Mm, This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Yeah. Okay, there's a couple of really important things here. There's a lot packed in here. You think this is just the you know <laughs> the last several verses on underwear, but there's there's a lot of stuff here. Well, this here. is the only place in the scripture that I know of that gives a uh, detailed accounting of underwear. Yeah. Well, I, before we get to that, I'll just point out that verse forty we started into Aaron's sons don't get the whole regalia we've right. talked about. They only get the coat, sashes, and caps, and that's you know that's on purpose because right. you want the high priest to look different from the ones that are helping him. However, these are all still he says in 40 make them for glory and beauty and we talked about that before glory is to communicate and broadcast large some truth and we talked about the truth of what god's plans are for our sanctification through the high priest you know the the association we have with the sacrifice but also for beauty and so there's there's a lot about this this has to do with beauty which i would maintain you know the pomegranate bell thing is kind of a cool beautiful thing it's all beautiful yeah it's all beautiful from a textile point of view yeah so let's move to that verse 41 thing you know this you'll put them on aaron your brother and the sons Mm. and then you'll anoint them ordain them consecrate them did you look into those because i I did too did because those are i thought what these three words are important right we some kind of use them interchangeably but they're not and actually we'll talk more about about this in the next yes, chapter we will because this is just a foreboding of that but what did you what did you figure out how well, are these different the, okay how they're different to anoint them is just to, to rub them with oil that's right? all when it really rub means something yeah. with oil then it becomes fragrant yeah like yeah. the oil and we've talked about this before how oil becomes symbolic of the presence of the holy spirit always later in the scripture always. so yeah. oh, and then to ordain them means to wholly set them they're fully vested mm-hmm, in the job mm-hmm. right to make their full it, may, it really means to be full. To fill them to up. To fill, to be full. But the idea is that they are fully, they're totally in it. Right. 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 And then to consecrate them is to literally set them apart, to dedicate them. Yes. And declare them holy. That's the that's the verb of getting to holy. Uh, right. Yeah. And so it says, and so um, anoint, ordain, and consecrate them that they may serve me 
as priests, right? They serve God. So this is not a part-time job. This is a full-time job. No, That's why it's wholly, wholly involved. involved. Yeah. yeah. This is what they do. And in fact, when you when you see them getting into the land of Israel later on, it's such a whole job, W-H-O-L-T. It's such a whole job right. for the Levites to do this kind of stuff that they don't even get any land to work. No. So the land is separated into into 11, well, actually 12 pieces, but it, but, the, but they, the, the priests don't get any land. So they don't do that. So what are they supposed to do? Full-time this. They, yes, this and we're going to find do. out at the beginning of the next chapter that they live off of the some of the right. offerings so how of do you the live? people they are provided yeah. for in the way the offerings are laid out. But this, this just underscores that this is their full-time job. This is mm-hmm. what they do all the time. This is what they do. And uh, so... There you go. Okay, so it's interesting that the anointing, ordaining, and consecrating comes first in the instructions and then make them linen undergarments to cover their naked Interesting, flesh. isn't it? Yeah. It is really interesting. What did you make of that? Well, it's, a, it's a funny kind of... I, I would have expected them to put in that comment about anoint, ordaining, consecrate at the end at of the this end. section. Yeah. But they put it in before we finished all the clothing. But... I think there's something more going on here because there's there's something there's something very crude and and revealing about the nakedness of mankind, which is going to be covered next. Okay. And this comes between, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the holy garments and covering their nakedness. And God had already said back in chapter twenty, "Don't go up to my altar naked." Exactly. Right. Cover yourself. Keep yourself Big covered. Deal. And I think that there is a reference here back to Eden. Back oh, to be, when yeah. Adam and Eve knew they were naked, they were fully exposed, and right. their sin was exposed, their filthiness, their shame, and yeah. all of that is associated with this word naked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they covered themselves in Genesis 3, 7, and then later in the chapter, God clothed them. God clothed with them. With garments that he himself made. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, you know, I... I need to camp on that a little bit. But yeah, I, th- I do too. But I it's, think there it's clearly is a, an issue of nakedness and uh, our sin being manifest. Our sin being exposed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's also, uh, there's also a factor here that a lot of pagan priests did it naked. Okay, right. And so it's like you're not going to be like those guys. So there's part of that setting apart. We're going to set you apart religiously from what the world does. Well, not just pagan priests, but... Often, I, pagan idolatrous practices yeah, yeah. involve being naked. To this day, Wiccans yeah. have a lot of that involved. So, yeah. So he's saying, you know, I'm going to be so complete in this. I'm even going to cover the fact that we don't want you, we don't want any of your nakedness exposed in the process of what your full time job is. And God has given this beautiful instruction, made yeah. of this beautiful, comfortable, lovely fabric. It's nice to stuff. wear, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's. God has not overlooked any detail yeah. in the covering of his priests. Yep, yep. Not only in covering their nakedness and hence covering the reality of their sin, mm-hmm. which is real, but it's not. it doesn't want to be something that gets in the way of what their holy role is, this right. life separated to serve God. So he, he, covers, he covers all of that. And, uh, and it's given us right there in verse 41 the sense that in a second we're going to talk about what we need to do to anoint them and to, and to ordain them and consecrate them. But we're going to cover them right down to, <laughs> right down to their skin is what we're going to do. What's interesting to me, I mean, we look at the end in verse 43. Uh, he says, you know, and they, 
they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister the holy place, lest they bear guilt. Mm -hmm. And this shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. So this wasn't just particular to Aaron and his sons. This is particular to the priesthood forever. Mm -hmm. They need to look a certain way. They need to be fully covered from their nakedness. They need to do things to serve God on behalf of the people, mm-hmm. but they're actually God's priests. And and uh, in another place, God talks about, you know, who are his firstborn. And the firstborn metaphor is the idea of someone who wholly serves the will of the father in a family. Right. Well, the Levites in this particular case are those firstborn, and that's and they're his. They're his because they, they do this life-separated-to-God role of interceding on behalf of the people. So they don't get they don't get land. I mean, they're, they're clearly right. God's firstborn in a real mm-hmm. sense. But this phrase, uh, before we run out of time here, this phrase, lest they bear guilt and die. Yeah. Again, that takes me back to the garden mm-hmm. about Adam, Adam and Eve being completely inadequate to cover their own shame. Yeah. And God, and, God has and to God cover said, them. now, if you sin, you will die. The yeah. consequences of sin is death. Yeah. And so God covers them completely by his yep. provision for them. Yep. So I really I think there's a connection here. Oh no, I think it's I think worth totally is. dwelling on. Nakedness is always your sinfulness right, manifest your exposure. to exposure. There's no way to hide and no right. way to cover adequately. We need yep. the clothing that only God can provide. Well, and a core idea of what God does on our behalf about our sin is he covers the he sin. He covers the sin. And that's that's always how it's not like it didn't exist, but we're just going to cover it and it's yeah. not going to come into conversation anymore. It's covered. It's gone. It's as if it wasn't even there. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, we're almost but out of time. isn't it interesting that it says at the very end of this, this shall be a statute forever for him, Aaron, and his offspring after mm-hmm. him. In other mm-hmm. words, only the sons of Aaron. Only the sons of Aaron. Inherit this Normal office. people could not right. do this if you weren't that. Another kind of parting pondering, which I was doing as I was looking at this, is, is comparing what now we have this complete picture of what the priest wears, the high priest wears. And I compared that to what Jesus is wearing when he was crucified. Hmm. For like, for instance, a good contrast, Jesus had a crown of thorns, not a turban with right. a gold panel in front that said, holy to the Lord. And, and you know, his clothing, e- even he was made naked in right. his crucifixion. And right. so it's totally the opposite of this. And yet here, here Jesus is our great high priest. Right. But in the end, in his crucifixion, he didn't look like it. In fact, he was portrayed as being nothing. Well, he became the sacrifice, exactly. right? Second Corinthians five twenty one exactly. says, "He who knew no sin became, became sin, sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." Yeah. So very appropriate. I was just—it was just an interesting wonder thing. I went through the entire list of things. Was was Israel and mankind on his heart like the breast piece? Mm. Yeah, but you couldn't see it. You know. Yeah. Was his full time job being an intermediary for us? Yeah, he was. So anyway, we're glad you're with us. We're gonna we're gonna look at the consecration of the priests next time. It's a fascinating discussion about how these guys get installed in their positions. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad you're with us and we hope you're enjoying with us looking in this fine detail into this graphical teaching of God's high priest. So come back with us next time on More Than Inc. More Than Inc. is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Hey, do you...
and <laughs> reset. Reset.